0: My purpose is to help change lives, whether it's one person, a thousand, or a million people.
1: Welcome to the Purposeful Story Podcast where we interview entrepreneurs, drivers, and social impactors who use purpose as the driver to achieve greatness. My name is Kobe Mpunsa, and I'm here to provide you with priceless value that will last a lifetime. So let's get right into it. All right. So welcome to another episode of the Purposeful Story podcast. Today, we have Dean Chambers and Craig Brown, creators of the program Checks Over Strikes. It's aimed at giving adults and youth in low-income areas the practical knowledge to financially empower themselves. They also wrote a book called Don't Be A Waste You, (laughs) The Financial Literacy Guide. And I had to get them on the show because so often it becomes very, very hard to get into a financially strong position if your foundation isn't there, right? And I think a book like this, definitely provides provides that foundation. And this is a message that I push all the time. You know, I'm someone who's really invested in building generational wealth, a purposeful way so that you can actually take control over your life. Right. So Dean and Craig, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. No worries. So I'm going to start off right off the bat. Why the name checks out over strikes. I love that name, but I want to know what sparked it.
2: Um, so I'll give you a a quick snapshot as to, you know, why we went that route. So again, when, you know, Dean and I met with regards to the idea of the book, um, we were thinking of a catchy way to kind of engage youth. Hence, you know, don't be a waste you. That's the reason why we kind of title it that way so we can catch, um, individuals. So the checks over strikes is the same thing. You know, Drake had a famous line you know, checks over stripes, meaning, you know, Nike over Adidas. Mm-hmm. So what we try to do was take, take that saying and say, you know what, checks over strikes. And what it boils down to is that you want to be able to ensure you're checking off your financial goals and not taking strikes against them, you know, mm-hmm. bad credit, not understanding what you're doing with your budget and stuff like that. So we just kind of want to put something that was catchy and, you know, something that was universal. And we can, you know, capture and engage the young youth's minds. And that's the reason why I became with Checks Over Strikes.
3: Okay.
1: Makes a lot of sense. You know, I I, <laughs> I, I wish I wish there was a book like this when I was growing up in high school because I would have I would have actually got challenged. I was like, yo, who you calling a waste suit? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm <laughs> I'm not a waste suit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this challenge on. And I feel like it's definitely gonna resonate with with the people, the, the youth of today for sure. hundred percent. Mm. So where, where were you guys born and raised?
0: I grew up in uh, Jane and Finch
3: mm-hmm.
1: and
0: um, I later moved to Rexdale. So that, that's where my, my story stems from. Okay. Grew up in Jane and Finch.
2: Nice. Um, and, and Craig, what about you? So um, born and raised in Toronto, but I grew up in a few projects. Um, I grew up in uh, Truth Away and or Church Away how they used to call it, you call it. And, um, and I, and I also grew up in Lawrence Heights area. Mm-hmm. So those were the two projects that, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I learned fast, mm-hmm. <laughs> meaning that, you know, when you grow up in these environments or circumstances, you, you got to be able to adapt with what you have. So, you know, as a young youth, you know, I, I visualized a lot of things and I said, you know what, if I'm going to be in this environment, I got to take all, all the, the street smarts I can get <laughs> to help propel myself, so.
1: Got you. And, you know, being in that environment, it's definitely, you, you could always argue that it's riskier, you know what I mean? You're not provided, you're not in the best environment, right? And um, yeah. I don't know if you guys have read the book, Outliers, so, but it basically no. talks about how, you know, you merge talent and environment, and that creates greatness. You know what I mean? So the, the, the Bill Gates of the world, you know, he was, he was very talented, but he was using computers at an age where kids didn't have access to any computers. People didn't have access to computers at all. So you merge those yeah. two things, and you create, you know, a billionaire, right? Yeah. But you guys, um, you were in a situation where your environment wasn't the best, but you still came out of that environment, right? What, what triggered that? Like, where did that come from? Because your environment isn't, you know, conducive. So how do you, how do you get yourself out of that
2: situation? So I think growing up in these environments and I think what helped me was I wasn't really a risk type of person. So there were situations in which that I could have easily got into, Mm -hmm. but during those times we had something called old G's. So mm. they would, you know, they would say, you know what, Craig, you're not built for this. You're not built for this. So I see where you're going. So I'm not going to allow you to kind of fall into this trap. And I think that's where um, a lot of things are happening today. There, there no, there's no really old heads to kind of help these young individuals to get them out of situations because they're not, they're not speaking to anybody. So when growing up in these situations, you know, you know, I'm not saying I was perfect. I did bad things. But when I learned that, Hey, this is not going to work for me, or I had someone saying that, nah, don't, don't follow that crowd because it ain't going to work. I know your character. I I start to become in a situation as like, you know what? I'm just not going to do that. Like I I see how it works for everyone. And sometimes it's just not going to work for you. So it, it helped me by having that bigger brother, or that adult to say, listen, look the other way on this one. It's not for you. So I think that helped me quite a bit growing up in these environments. Interesting. For, and for,
0: for me ahead. it was, um, I, I, I'm, I'm very observant. And what I noticed growing up where I did, there, there's two ways when it comes to street life. It's either you're dead or you're in jail. Hmm. And neither of those outcomes I liked. And I kind of like... When I seen these things happening, it was like, it's, it's almost seemed like it's like there's a movie called Blood In and Blood Out. It's like once you get into this stuff, it's, it's very hard to get out. And it wasn't something that I gravitated towards. And with growing up, a lot of people told me I was very bright. So I felt like if I was to go that route, it wouldn't lead to anything successful. So I said, you know what? I don't want to be living that type of life. Like me, I'm not built for jail. I don't always want to be watching my back everywhere I go. So I said, no, that's not the life that I want to live. Like there's a possibility for me to get out. I just got to figure out how to get out of that type of life or in that environment, I should say.
1: Got you. And what were your, both of you, what were your first experiences with money? Like (laughs) Mm,
0: for me, I didn't really get money as a kid. Like for me, it's funny because with, West Indian parents, whenever you get money, it's usually you get it and then they take it. It's like, okay, why'd you take my money from? <laughs> for me it was like, okay, when I get money, it's like what am I gonna do with it? And my 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 mom couldn't provide everything that I was wanted. So I had to find a means to get what buying and selling anything that I could get my hands on so mm-hmm. that I can turn around and get things that I wanted, whether it be video games or clothes, shoes. So I always found a way to try to make some money so that I could get the things that I wanted.
1: Got you. All right. Craig, what about you? <laughs> um,
2: I, I, I got allowances. So it's, it was a situation in which that, you know, I try to save up. So just like Dean mentioned you wanted the you wanted those js or back in my time it was Jays and Patrick Ewings mm-hmm. you know what i mean i I wanted those type of things, so when I did get an allowance it was about it was about saving I wasn't that savvy to like Dean to sell and um, sell and buy stuff and you know put them anywhere to you know get money back I wasn't as savvy but i i was I also did like to um how can I say it um i was I, I like sports, I like football, and sometimes uh, what I used to do, and I'm not exactly proud of it, but you know pro line point spread you know what i was i- i was a i was a whiz at numbers mm. and you know point spread and you know looking at numbers to say, is this team gonna be be able to beat this team by a certain points and what I would do I would research, so I would mm. research a team so um it it kind of brought analytics into my field because I would go on the internet, you know, look for these teams and research them and try to find out, okay, well, you know, if I were to put the money on this team, you know, would it, would it be a benefit to me? Mm-hmm. So it kinda, in the, in the long run, yes, I wasn't old enough to bet, but I think it built me in a way to like, look at numbers, look at analytics, um, study, you know, study certain things and behaviors and characters. So it, it just helped me, you know, I, you know, I often won on a weekly basis. Mm. And my mom would say like, you know, I'm giving you allowance, but you know, you're getting this, so you're getting that. And, you know, I, I kept it a secret, you know what I mean? Because as Dean says, most Indians like to pull the money away. So I just kind of kept that money underneath my bed at times. And if I needed something, I'll get it. Got you. Got you. So it's interesting too, because
1: it's from, from the story that you guys are telling me, did, did, was there anyone that actually taught you guys how to be financially literate?
0: Uh, For me, my mom worked in a bank for Mm. 20 plus years, but with her, she was still stuck in the West Indian ways. But one thing she taught me from when I was very young is always save your money. Like she never told me why, but she's just like, just make sure you save your money. So I'm like, okay, (laughs) not sure why, but I was like, you know what? She's probably telling me for a reason I don't understand. So that's kind of just the method to my madness as I grew up. I just... I would always save money regardless of, uh, for like, I never had a reason to be saving. I just saved money. So Mm -hmm. later on in my life, like my early twenties or my teens and my early twenties, when I started DJing, I literally save up all my DJ money. Like I didn't really go out there and buy any and everything. I literally just sat on all the money I had when I was DJing. Hmm. So it seems like you Um, built that habit up over time. Yeah.
2: Got you. Um, for me, it was later down the road. Um, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm 39 years old. So mm-hmm. when I learned about financial literacy, it was, you know, when I purchased my first home. And I kind of learned the hard way because as Dean mentioned, saving, I was able to save money and I was sitting on, you know, a ton of cash, but I never had credit. Mm. So when I purchased my first home, it was a, somewhat of a struggle because I had cash, but I never had credit. And then, you know, when that came about, I was saying to myself, I was like, well, my and my credit was bad. So I was like, okay, I can't continue down this path because, you know, I often, well, I learned that, you know, credit is king and not cash. So, you know, I was, when I bought my first home, I start, you know, reading stuff, researching things. And um, I had a few people in my corner from the real estate background that, you know, gave me tips and say, you know what, if you really want to, you know, become the person you want to be, you have to start with financial literacy. And I start just to learn, you know, the the habits, the credit habits and learning about equity and um, learning how to pull equity and reinvest and so on and so forth. So for me, it was later stages in my life Um, I would have loved to may may have known it earlier when I was 21, 22, but I I believe in timing sometimes, sometimes it's just, it may not be your time and, you know, I learned later, but for me, it's still something that I'm grateful for because now that I'm at this age, you know, it, it taught me a lot and I'm able to, you know, head down to the path of, you know, you know, being not only financial, financially educated, but, you know, debt free. Mm. and um, looking to also make sure that my children in the long run are are impacting positively because I have the gift. I got to pass that gift on to them to ensure that when they're my age or even, you know, growing up, that they know the ins and outs and the, the, the importance of making sure that they're able to put away cash for a rainy day and invest if they can and when they can.
1: Absolutely. Powerful stuff, man. And... You know, I, I'm listening to you guys' journey, but none of you are mentioning that um, financial literacy was taught to you in school, right? And, no. and I, I would say that financial literacy isn't something that's taught in school. I, I didn't learn it in school. It's not consistent. The government is now just recently becoming awakened to it, like they're making announcements. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, and you guys can relate, I'm sure, life is literally run by by money right everything that we do involves money but in school we're not taught about money but money is what life is it's essentially what's what's part of life but we're taught things that aren't really part of life so why why do you think financial literacy isn't taught in schools as often as it should
0: say that again Dean. you the system doesn't want to see you win.
2: <laughs> and and I, I also believe that they want us to be nine to five, like nine mm-hmm. to fivers. That's really and truly what it boils down to. Because when you, take, when you take a look at the curriculum and you see what, you know, you know, the system pushes you to want to learn or want you to do, um, what do you really get out of it? Like, you know I mean? I was always a person that I want to take statistics but I have not yet used statistics in anything that I've done. You know what I mean? But you were pushed that to be cool, you got to learn this. And if you want to be in that, in that bunch of the bright people, you got to yes. take these classes, right? So I think at the end of the day, um, it's just the way things are positioned. And again, you're always, especially from, again, our parents, not blaming them, but the West Indian parents always told you, go to school, get an education and get a job and work there for 30 years. Yeah. yeah.
1: I can relate. My, I, have, I have a Ghanaian background. My parents were the same, same way. They're the same way for sure.
2: Yeah. That, that environment, it's not what it is today. Because mm-hmm. it, when, you ten, when you turn around and look right, what companies are, you know, hiring, hiring somebody and looking forward to, for them to stay for 30 years. Mm it's not happening. Right. And then what happens is that any, if you have any type of dreams or aspirations, what, what are you going to think about first? You're thinking about your pension. You're thinking about your, your biweekly payment of your getting your weekly pay from your job. And then if you have a dream or aspirations, it's being put on the back burner because again, you're going to be walking on that tightrope. Oh, is it going to work? You know, you know, is it going to happen for me? And then, you know, you're kind of second guessing yourself. And, And again, I'll tell you my story. It's very true. I was working for Bell for 16 years mm. and I was comfortable. I was complacent. I had a salary, I had a job and I was like, you know what? I can do this for another so many years, but I had a real reality check last year. And I was like, you know what? If I t- if I don't take the leap of faith now, I'm going to be stuck. And the mm. worst thing you can do is get up every single morning, going to something that you despise. Yeah. And I just said, I, I, I don't want to be that way.
1: Absolutely so dean dean what about you i mean you said it in one sentence but like you know it's like i said it's just interesting you know you they don't teach us these things in school and i think it's it's almost getting to a point where they're they're seeing it so i feel like it's going to become the norm where they're going to teach in schools because they have to right like if if you're uneducated financially that's bad for the economy as well Right. You have people leveraging debt out the wazoo and then the government has to come in and bail people out. So it actually it's interesting because it benefits people to be financially educated, but they don't engrave it in in youth as much as they should or people in general.
0: Well, for me, the school system, it's it's prehistoric. And as Craig was saying, it's literally you come in, you study what they tell you to study. Then you go out in the world, you get a job and then you're working for somebody. But like even stuff like entrepreneurship, that's not taught in schools. Like when I was in school, they're teaching home ec. It's like, why are you teaching me how to cook hot dogs and eggs? (laughs) That's something that can be taught at home. Like, yes, economics should have been like create a budget, uh, uh, savings, uh, savings goals, uh, emergency savings plans, like things like that should have been taught, but those things weren't taught. And, um, The like with the system it's like if you know too much, that's not a good thing for them. Because the government, yes, they're 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 putting it into the systems now, but the government also makes money off of the school systems too. Mm. secondary education, for example. The moment you come out and if you can't afford school, where are you going? You're going straight to the government. You're gonna get the OSAP loan. The OSAP loan, yeah, they're lending you the money, but they're also charging you interest on the OSAP loan. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you anywhere from 80 to 90% of the people don't even know how much interest they're being charged on that OSAP loan or how long it's going to even take to even be paid off.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: It's interesting. Yeah. You are speaking facts. I had, um, a gentleman on my podcast by the name of Isaac Aluwafi, um, Mm -hmm. a few while while back earlier in in my episodes and he understood, um, finance from a, from an early age, like at the age of 21. So, Mm -hmm. He was he understood numbers, but everything's numbers to him, right? So he would take the OSAP loan, but he would put it in a vehicle that would yield more more return, right? So we'd go and purchase a pre-construction property, right? And then meanwhile, his part-time job was paying for his e- education. So some people use their OSAP loans to go out for parties. Some people use it for education. Some people use it to go buy Jordans. He was using it to just go buy real estate. Smart <laughs> right? guy, right? So, um, yeah, for sure. I I definitely agree with what you're saying, 100%. And you guys also have a a credit repair program. Um, You know, there's so many aspects of financial literacy, but why why the credit repair program?
0: Uh, Well, the reason for the credit repair program, because we find, especially in the marginalized areas, they have a lot, well, for me growing up, well, Craig can attest to this as well. For us, when we were growing up, Literally, nobody taught us what credit was. So, the moment you can get that credit card, everyone thought it was like your door to just having free cash to do whatever you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But in reality, that's not what a credit card is for, right? Yeah. So, literally, we, we come across a lot of people that, along with financial literacy, credit repair is a big thing in the areas where they don't know where to turn to. And I have family members and friends that went through uh collections or they're trying to get car loans and houses and it kind of really bothered me the process of how they're doing it like you have companies that are consolidating your debt but they're not telling you the 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 cons to consolidating your debt where it's going to be still sitting on your your credit report for uh two to six years and banks and um private lenders will still look at that and it, it scores against you or even filing for bankruptcy. So, um, even one company, one company is out there that's charging people almost like 35% interest. So I was like, what in wow. the world is this? Like, this is crazy. And it's like when people are desperate, they'll go anywhere. So I said, you know what, and, or what me and Craig said, we need to put a credit repair program out there and help people get back on their feet because the moment they get into good credit, the, the possible, the, the opportunities are endless. They can do so much once they have good credit. So we say, you know what, let's introduce a credit repair program and let's help people get back into their, on their feet with good credit so that they can be able to attain things that they, that their heart desires.
1: I agree. Okay. Makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like you guys understand, you know, I think credit isn't, isn't bad, right? But if you use it the right way, you can really create a lot of generational wealth. All everybody leverages credit. Every, Everybody—that's the way the way world moves around. The banks—they leverage credit. The banks leverage everybody as well. So um, yep. you just need to be smart in terms of how you use it. Hundred percent.
2: And I think also in in our environment, what is the kicker is that it's the parents. The parents uses our use our credit. So mm. our our credit becomes doormat so when we become a certain age and you're looking you want to do something with your credit like you know there's been phones taking out loans cars and your credit becomes it's squashed you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and um again something like these things even though we wrote the book for a specific demographic we often fall into situations which that we when we are selling the book we're like listen parent you read the book first and then have your child read it. And then you can you guys can have some type of dialect or communication with what's going on. Because um, when you start off not having any credit or having a bomb credit, it's a it's a turnoff. You as mm-hmm. a person, you're thinking, okay, well, I'm already behind the eight ball, so I'm just gonna kind of continue doing what I'm doing. And they don't think about it until 10 years later, and they're like, Oh, yeah, I should have, you know, I should have taken the steps to fix my credit because sometimes it's that it's just some people are embarrassed some people are embarrassed about, about their purchases even um mm-hmm. so it becomes a situation in which that um they're like you know what do I really want to talk to somebody about this because they're going to get to understand you know what my spending habits are and mm-hmm. you know what I was doing with my money and you know it becomes it, it becomes a, a, like an embarrassment and it 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 kind of puts them back and they don't want to look about it and that's another thing that's hurting us too because you know, we, we fall into that, you know, that, um, how can I say that bubble? Okay. I'll just leave it alone. I'll put it underneath the rug because, and I hope that no one sees it. And then hopefully I'll just fly by the seat of my pants.
1: For sure. And I like the idea that you're telling parents to read it first before they give it to their kids. Cause, um, it breaks that cycle. Right. And it's, it's not necessarily, you know, um, my parents fault or your parents fault. It's just the way they've been taught as well right? So if you're going to tell your kid to do something, you better believe the principles that you're telling your kid to do as well. If you're telling your kid to save, you better know why they should be saving or where they should be putting that money towards, right? So I really, I really like that. You're holding the parents accountable so that it breaks that family cycle.
2: Yeah, because at the end of the day, your your kid sits down and reads it and then comes to mom and dad and say, Hey, you know what? I read the book and I need help with this. And you're like, uh, okay, um, what do you need help on? But you haven't read it yourself. So in Mm -hmm. order to have that, you know, that dialogue, that communication that serves a purpose, read the book. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't have any kids. I don't know if you guys have any kids as well, but kids are, are, they're very smart, right? Like they, they take in information way faster than any of us can. Um, and if you can mold a kid at a young age, you can really build an empire for for life right so it's mm-hmm. it's important that you know we focus on the youth because they're able to take in that information you know what mm-hmm. I mean and you really build a strong individual by
2: inputting that information at at a young age for sure yeah I, I think as long as you you know take it and if you can try to be creative with what you're trying to teach your teach Absolutely. your child that's also important because we're growing in we're growing in a in a social media era mm-hmm. so a lot of kids' attention span is is really short. And if they don't get it, it's see you later on to the next thing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Things things are trendy. If it's not cool, you know, a lot of young youth are like, nah, I'm not down with it. But if you can make it creative, make it cool and make it relatable, it, 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 it becomes something that you say, you know what, I'm going to do this because it's cool. And then you have other people who are going to follow that and say, you know what? Hey, Craig is doing this. Dean's doing this. And this is actually cool because out of the, Uh, out of what I'm doing, I can see the results and the results lead to maybe a nice car, you know, maybe a nice house. These are all the things that everybody wants, but are you going to put in time to work for it? Absolutely. Right. So
1: sure. I agree. So I want to, I want to ask you guys, what, what drives you to, to continue checks over strikes every single day? Because, you know, you guys are in a position that you're educated, you're financially literate. Um, Things are going well for you guys, but you don't have to do this, right? Like what drives you to do it every single day?
0: For me, it's my children. Um, I want to make sure that they have what I didn't have. So really I wake up every day knowing that I got to put my best foot forward to make sure that they have a better future for tomorrow and not just them, but my grandchildren as well. So as you said in the, in the beginning, like I'm trying to create generational wealth Mm -hmm. and not just for my family, but for Craig's family and everybody else that, need, that it has that same aspiration for generational wealth.
2: Got you. Yep,
0: yep. I would say
2: the same thing. Again, generational wealth, you have to put down that foundation for your, for your kids because as we mentioned before, we never, we never got that from our parents, right? So what are we going to do to break that cycle, right? So another thing for me is my intention, Um, You know, Dean mentioned, you know, doing for my family, doing for my family and I'm doing for his family. If we had that process of thinking of accountability for each other and each other's kids, I think as a movement, as a people will be a lot further because I see you, I may not know you, but at the end of the day, if I can, if I can enlighten you, I put some knowledge or gems, jewels, whatever the kids want to call it today. Um, it's gonna make you a better person. And then you may turn around and say, Hey, you know what? Craig, just drop some drop a gem on me. You know, I'm gonna turn around and give it to this person. Mm -hmm. So I think I think a lot of it is for me too, is intention. You know, I, I brought that up earlier. It's the intent. What do you what do you see yourself doing? What is your intention and what is your long term intention? Because I think again, if you're doing something for just for the almighty dollar, right? You may do things later down the road that will impact you and your kids. And I see it far too often that, you know, you know, social media too, like it's, it has us chasing that dollar. And what happens is when we chase that dollar, we we tend to do things that are out of our character. You know what I mean? So we got to be able to kind of, you know, set the foundation and say, Hey, listen, you know what? I'm going to drop a gem and I'm going to take accountability for you and your kids. You know what I mean? I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk down this road and put you on my back. And I think as a, you know, as a people, if we had more of that being done on a daily basis, I just think we'd be a lot further.
1: Agree. You guys are speaking facts for sure. Now diving into the book just a bit. Um, what is, what does a waste suit mean? What's, what's the definition of a waste suit?
0: <laughs> <laughs> a, youth, a useful person, that's a waste of time or space. So, well, the reason why we did that is just so, the people that don't understand the term it's like right there in your face type thing like don't ask me the question it's right there in your face like you have no reason to be wondering what are they trying to say right so it's mm-hmm. we, we we like to be direct in everything that we do so that's why we just put it right there there on the tight on the the book cover but the waist suit, it's literally, it it stems from the Caribbean culture where it's like you're doing something where it, it makes no sense you're doing it. It's like, why are you doing so, doing the foolishness for? And it was something that me and my brother used to say to each other a lot. It's like, you're doing something dumb. It's like, yo, bro, why are you being a waste suit for? Like, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's where it came from. So when I got the idea to put the book together, that was one of the first things that popped up into my head. I was like, yo, what's the title going to be? And I said, you know what? Don't be a waste suit because this is stuff that you need to know. And if you're going to continue doing, going down the wrong path, like you're a waste in my eyes. So that's literally where the title came from.
2: I love the title, man. I love it. Because, because honestly, what we're thinking is like, if we were to name it, you know, financial literacy, one, two, three, uh, yeah, who's going to pick up that book? Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, yeah. a lot of things stem from marketing. You know, even down to the color of the book, you know, Dean and I, we learned so many things putting together this book. And it's like coming down to the marketing, the color of the book, what you say on the title of the book, it's a, it, it has to be eye grabbing for someone to pick up the book and say, you know what, don't be a waste suit. What? And like you said before, I don't want to be a waste suit. You want to be a waste suit. It's like, okay, I don't want to be a waste suit. So I'm going to pick up this book and see what these guys are talking about. And that's the whole objective.
1: Got Gotcha. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be, be purchasing a lot of these books just in bulk. I'm going to read it myself and I'm going to just, you know, just deliver it to, to youth because it's, it's, it's important, man. It's really, really important. Yep. And just on the book, what are some, can you touch on some key aspects that the book touches on?
0: So we mainly focus on credit, investing, savings, and budgeting. So we found those are the four uh, main components with financial literacy that everybody should know and that will help you get through in life with no issues when it comes to money and making money decisions
1: all right and i like the book too because i'm sure you guys have noticed as well there's not a lot of canadian books on no. investing there's not it's all from the states yeah. you know everywhere else so it's i'm glad that we got another one in the rows. there's not really a lot there's a book by um like There's a lot of stock books by this gentleman by the name of uh, Derek Foster. Um, mm-hmm. Really smart guy. He's based in Ottawa, but that's literally the only book that I know that kind of talks about investing. And then you have the wealthy Barbary as well, but there's mm-hmm. not really a lot. So I'm, I'm happy that you guys made this book for sure.
0: That was another reason because for us, whenever we want to learn something in regards to money or investing you have to turn to, to the States, but the States have so many different rules mm. versus here in Canada. So it's like you go to any library, you're like, okay, I want a book on learning how to invest, but it's everybody's coming from the States and it's like, okay, who's going to do something for Canada? Even on YouTube, you can barely find anything with investing for Canadians. Like it's so hard to find stuff for Canadians. Like, yeah, this is good. Like even with uh, purchasing real estate property, like Americans, for them to purchase property, they can purchase it for, like, less than nothing. But here yeah. in Canada, we can't do that. Nah. Even the, the the tax laws and whatnot, it's, like, what they can do versus what we can do, we can't get away with what they do out there. So it's, like, okay, who's going to do this for us? So it's, like, the, the need is out there for the, finan- for the financial literacy book. So that was another reason why I kind of said, like, yo, we, we need to put this together. We need to get it out there because Canadians, we can't depend on Americans for anything. Like we, we need someone in Canada that lives here that knows what is needed for financial literacy.
2: Agree. And, Agree. And, I, and I think in addition to that, you know, what we try to do with the book as well is that we didn't want to necessarily write it in a language that, again, you're going to sit down and say, okay, what the hell are these guys saying? or we didn't want to put graphs, bar graphs, pie graphs. Again, you, you got to make something cool and sexy in order for it to get the youth to read it. Right. And then you have to be relatable. So we also want to ensure that, Hey, you know what? If you're, if you're going to buy a sneaker, because we all like buying sneakers. Uh, let's, let's think about what you can do or how you can make money from that sneaker. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, you buy a, a Jordan, a coveted Jordan, and it's worth $300 now, but, a year from now it could be worth two thousand dollars. And now you have that covered to Jordan that you bought for three hundred, it's two thousand dollars now. Right. So you buy low, sell high. And then you can become you can become, you know, a stock X or innov- innovator in, you know, buying and selling sneakers. And again, buying and selling sneakers is cool. Mm. You're still, you're still, it's still, it's still cool. It's still, it's still sexy. It's still attractive, but we're giving you a, a different aspect of it. Instead of going out there and buying a shoe run every week, and then you're, you're depleting your pocket. Mm. Right. So those are the type of examples we put in the book just to let people know that, Hey, you know what? Again, especially during COVID, I did it. I sold a lot of stuff on Kijiji because I was no longer using it. So, you know, you know, money wasn't coming in as quick. So, what are you going to do?
1: I love what you guys are doing, man. I, I really do. So, what's next for Checks Over Strikes?
0: Right now, we're in the process of putting our course together. Um, hopefully, by the end of the year. Um, it's looking really, really um, positive right now. The... The... Um, the package that we're putting together, I, I can't say too much, but no worries, it's, it's, it's definitely coming. Hopefully, by the end of the year, where Cheers. uh hopefully we're we're able to change a lot of lives and also be, uh, yeah. I know the school system is coming out with something, but hopefully we can um add value to what they're doing with our program.
1: Absolutely, and hey, like the the lane that you guys are in is the correct lane, right? Yeah. So you know you, you guys are in the right lane for sure we'll definitely talk offline a, a little bit more about that but you guys yeah. are in the right lane for sure for sure this is a purpose round where entrepreneurs creatives and social impactors are asked a series of questions that highlight their true purpose so welcome to the Purpose Round, where we ask the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind our entrepreneurs and their journey. So Dean and Craig, what is your purpose?
0: My purpose is to help change lives, whether it's one person, a thousand or a million people. As long, my, for me, as long, if I can change one individual's life, especially someone in the teen years, I, I feel like I've done my job because if I had somebody guide me with the information that I have, I could be so much further right now.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I believe my purpose is my, well, my purpose aligns with Dean. Like I said, I was in the corporation world for about 16 years. And again, I, I, I was helping people, but it wasn't fulfilling me. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't a situation in which that, you know, I could turn back and say, you know what, I helped you. And you know, how did you apply that? I was only working for a corporation and, you know, helping them build their vision, helping them build their dreams. Um, and I said to myself, there has to be more. There has to be more to me than trying to build someone's corporation and, and wait for a quarterly, you know, a quarterly um, raise or, or a quarterly bonus to say, you know what, hey, look what I did for my company and then go back home and do it over again. So my purposes is definitely in line with Dean's because I felt like I wasn't helping people and I wasn't fulfilling my, my purpose in which that, again, the youth, again, when I was growing up, yes, there are old G's in my corner, but it wasn't a situation in which that they were dropping gems. They're dropping gems from a street perspective, but I want to drop gems from a financial perspective because I'm looking at it and then they, you know, you know, each one teach one. You know, if I help you, you may turn around and help somebody else. And if I can spark that conversation with regards to, you know, for me, Dean knows accountability is key. So if I can spark that conversation with someone else and they turn around and tell someone else, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with it. Cause I know at least the word is being spread and for us to be become, you know, again, you'll see our culture is so driven. Our culture is so rich, but when you take a step back and look at our culture, um, you know, as a people, where are we today? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, we drive billboard numbers, we drive TikTok, we do all these things. But as a whole, when you look at the world today, we're still fighting for Black Lives Matter.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? It, it, it's, such, it's, it, it's such to me, you know, like I'm sick and tired of seeing, you know, certain memes and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, you know what? We can't, we can't depend on other people to change our narrative. We got to do it ourselves. Absolutely. So let's not, let's not, let's ensure that we're educating ourselves or educating our people at, at most so we can, you know, I live in Brampton and uh, you know, a lot of, uh, we all know Indians run Brampton. Mm-hmm. Why can't, why can't I have 10, 12 people? Why can't I buy a block?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? Why can't I have my people buy a block and build a community? Everyone else is doing it but us.
1: Why? Mm-hmm. For sure. If you guys could have a conversation with one person living or dead who would it be and why
0: uh, For me it's uh, one of my good friends that passed away uh, his name was Kareem uh, he's been he's been very close to me he helped me out when I was younger in my DJ career and it, it's, it, it, it hits a spot for me because I was trying to help him get back on his feet with his credit and just trying to help um do different things into getting higher up in life and it just sucks that his life was taken this year uh, towards gun violence and it's people like him that were I just keep fighting day in and day out to help change people's narratives like that they don't go down the wrong path so for me it's, it, w- it would be Kareem
1: got you sorry to hear that man
2: and, and, and yeah, Craig, yeah. what about you? It, it, it's, it's crazy because Kareem is my cousin. So oh, wow. it, 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 it's funny how things are, you know, how things are, you know, six degrees of separation because he, hearing him say that and it's, and when you ask that question, I was thinking of um, a person that was impactful, like huge impacts, but how Dean broke it down and, and sometimes it boils down to, we all, we always seem to think that, you know, a, a hero is someone that, you know, changed the world or, you know, had a movement or and you a lot lot were able to, or has a lot of money and how Dean just broke that down. Um, just, it just reassured me. And it told me that, you know what I mean? It's not always someone that's powerful or who was powerful that make a move, a movement. It's something as small as an individual trying to make a change in their life. So, um, again, I'm I'm just kind of blown away by it because it's a situation in which that, again, he was here with us trying to do something good, try to make a change, and his life was cut short. And all for what? we'll We'll never know, right? But all I can say with regards to, you know, who... I want to, who I want to speak to, you know, it, it, it's tough. It's tough to sum up because again, I think, I think our mind frames are, are, are different in a sense in that we always seem to think big and not think about someone. And it's not, not boiling down to a smaller person, but something that, you know, is. Within grass that you talk to within your circle. Yes. Within mm-hmm. my circle. Like, you know what I mean? We, we've lost, we've lost many people. Um, and again, I don't. I think sometimes we we put people on a pedestal because they've done great things. But we know people that we walk with that do great things every day. Absolutely. And I, I hate to speak in, in 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 like the death terms. I want to be able to uh, make change to a living person, mm. and, and that's what's important to me. Absolutely, for sure. What, do you, what would be the, the best
1: advice that you guys have ever received?
0: Uh, for me, my mom told me at a young age. She don't said don't, me she,
1: me did she say, me. don't be a waste"? suit? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, many times as a grown-up, but for me, it was, what she told me is, don't lend anybody your credit. Your credit is pretty much you. It's, mm. it's, it's not physical, but it's you. The moment you lend it out to somebody, they can do any and everything with it. And for me, it was just like, it, it kind of went in one year and out the other. And then I got a tough lesson because I did lend somebody my credit, which was my dad. And I put a phone in my name for him. So he's like, oh, just get me a Bell phone. So I was like, okay, whatever. Then lo and behold, I get a, bell from, a bill from Bell. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, oh, you owe us blah, blah, blah. We're going to send you to collections. So did I you call up Craig? A- no, <laughs> <laughs> so I immediately called them to find out what was going on. They're like, oh, you haven't paid your bill." So then I called my dad. And I was like, "Yo, what are you doing? Like, why didn't you pay this bill?" And then he had all this story. Luckily, I caught it before it got. It was blown out of proportion. I said, mm. "You know what? I'll pay the bill." But that was my lesson. It's like you know what? I, 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 she told me, she warned me. I didn't listen. I got the lesson. That's it. I will never lend anybody my credit again. I don't care if you need an apartment. If you aren't like. Like if they're going to throw you out or whatever it may be, it's like, no, you have your credit. I have mine and you got to like cherish it. Like it's, 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 it's almost like it has a heartbeat. Like the moment you let somebody do something to it or stab it, like it's going to stop working. So even my kids, I tell them don't lend anybody a credit. I don't care if I ask you or your mom asks you, do not lend your credit to anybody.
2: Hmm. That's super facts, man. Super
1: facts. Okay. And what would you say for you guys is your top three most influential books?
0: Mm. Um, oh, I, I can't remember the title. I gotta go look for it. But one book, uh, for me, the first book I read, that I actually read and I, I enjoyed it, which which was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, then the... I kind of have like three or four books cause then there was another book by Kevin O'Leary that opened up my eyes to things with, uh, investing and savings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, the four hour work week was another good book that I, I really enjoyed and, uh, I would have to put, don't be a waste you up there as well. Absolutely. And, uh, my, my books, my top mm-hmm. books to read. Okay. Um, I'll be totally honest. I
2: wasn't, I'm not much of a a book reader. I was more of a a newspaper reader. Mm. Um, I I often would read the star business section and just to kind of understand what's going on. um, I can say that rich dad, poor dad is up there with me as well. You know, I read that book and actually enjoyed it. Uh, I'm trying to build more of a, um, I'm trying to, book, I'm trying to build a book club for myself. Um, I'm trying to take on more situations. Like, you know, there's the 10 X by Grant Cardone. Oh, um, amazing book. <laughs> I forgot <about> that one. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm just trying to build my library. Um, I know I should be reading more. Um, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. I'm trying to build my book club and stay tuned for it. Okay.
0: Uh, to add to that, with the podcast um, wh- whomever is listening, your TV should not be bigger than your library in your house. Mm. That's a bar. i put that out there.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing with books too, and I, I love asking this question because I want my listeners to, to see, to seek this information as well. But the one thing about books is that, you know, you can read all the books in the world, but if you don't apply the information that's in the book, it's just air. Right. It's just yeah. useless. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys are definitely, definitely applying it. But I want, you know, everyone to understand that it's not about how many books you read or what book you read. It's about which book you you choose. And then you you actually apply those principles to your life, because that's what the book is meant for, not to just read. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but yeah, like those those books are, are are great. I haven't read 10x by Grant Cardone, um, but it's it's on the list for sure for me as well.
0: To be honest, that book was on my list for a year and I don't know how I stumbled upon it again, but the moment I started reading it, I couldn't put it down. Really? And that book helped us produce our book because the mindset that he talks about in that book literally says, you know what, sitting on your ass ain't going to do anything. You need to go out there and get shit done. And don't just put it on a small scale, like 10X the shit out of everything that you do.
2: Mm. Yeah, put it put it on a grand scale. And again, for us, Dean and I, we we talk every day. So it was about, you know, how are we gonna get this done? We meet, we meet weekly, we have touch points. We said to ourselves, if we're gonna get this done, and, and Dean knows it, I said, Hold me accountable. So if I drop the ball, we gotta be able to have that conversation. Craig, you dropped the ball on this. Like, you know what I mean? What are we gonna to do to accomplish this goal? So, uh, and, a lot of, and a lot of it, you know, and I, and I see it today when people become business partners, they tend to shy away from certain things because they're like, you know what, I don't know how that person is going to take it. But I just think that, again, constructive criticism is important. You always, you can't put a person down and then expect them to do something when you put them down. Put If you're going to say something, come up with, you know... Um solution. come up with something that a solution that you can they can say, okay, you know what, Craig told me this, but you know what, he gave me a solution. So next time when that comes up, I'm gonna think about how to apply that, what Craig told me. You know what I mean? It's it's too many, you know, people give you know cri- criticisms, but they give it in a in a condescending tone. So therefore, if I tell you something, am I gonna wanna do that for you next time? Most likely not. Mm. Right? So it's sometimes it says little things, the tone and how you say things. And, you know, you, you know, you, you say it with, you say with confidence, head up, you know what I mean? It, it, those are the, those are the things, the different, the different makers in, in conversations. Gotcha.
1: Okay. And tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. <laughs>
2: That's a good question, actually. <laughs> um, I would say, and they they this is always said Rome wasn't built in a day, mm-hmm. so if you want to take that saying from a business perspective, if you're gonna do something after the first week it doesn't work, don't quit <laughs> it, it, especially if it's something that you're dreaming that you you're dreaming about and you've been thinking about it for years, there's gonna be ups and downs, right um, Again, when you take a look at these billionaires, these you know Amazon guys, these Bill Gates. All these individuals, um, they've all failed once, more than once, once. <laughs> twice, three times, right? So at the end of the day, if you firmly believe in something and you're going to p- put your best foot forward to do it, don't quit. Because uh, the minute that you quit, is you're telling yourself that anything that I come against that may be hard or may become a challenge, I can't do it. Uh-huh. And that's what I try to teach my kids on a daily basis. When like You can't quit. I, ra- I rather you, I rather you go through it and fail and dust yourself off. And say you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take another stab at it because there's, there's no L's in life. You know, it's all learning experiences. So sometimes when things happen, it's meant for you to happen and go through that because you had to take that L because you had to learn. I haven't known. I don't know any person that has been flying through, flying through life and everything has been glory. Everything has been, you know, on point. I I don't know any of that story. And if someone's doing that, please, I want to know how you're doing it. It don't exist. (laughs) It don't exist, exactly.
0: So I have to agree with what Craig said. It's um, the moment you say you can't do something, you're just going to continue to find ways how not to do it instead of how can I do it. Anything's achievable as long as you put your mind to it. It's it's all a mindset. So you can't psych yourself out and be like, "Yo, I can't own a million dollar, multi-million dollar company." It's like, why can't you? If you have a blueprint to do so, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen when it, when it's ready to happen. You can't force things. You can't force your business to become a million dollar a million dollar mm-hmm. business the next day. You have to put plans in place and follow along with your plan of action. And over time, you'll get to where you want to be.
1: For sure. And is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners?
0: Uh, for me, continue learning, and as Craig was saying, there's no L's in life. It's it's lessons, and it's first you learn, drop the L, and now you earn.
2: Mm. And that's that's important. One word speaks so so much volumes, and, and for and for me, I think. For me, it's just telling individuals, be yourself. I think, especially growing up in this generation, a lot of people are not who they say they are. And when you start, when you start imitating or start doing something because, again, because of the intentions, you may lose yourself. And a lot of people, especially in business, a lot of people can, can spot that. When you're not yourself, they see right through you. So whatever you try to say or whatever you're trying to sell to that individual, they're like, nah, like I see right through this guy or I see through right this individual because they're not being true to who they are. Right. So just be yourself, man. It's, it's, it's so important. It's something that sounds so simple, but a lot of people ain't doing it.
1: I agree with that. One of the entrepreneurs that I had on this show, uh, he says something very powerful. He says that the first two letters in business is BU. Um, so that's that's key You, you nailed it right there for sure so how can the purposeful story family stay connected with you guys
0: uh we have instagram my personal one is dean m chambers and uh checks over strikes uh for instagram and facebook and for Craig, it's uh, Craig. How do you pronounce it? Like I don't it's, know. What it's
2: it's, it's a vec I want to I want to tie into my French immersion sign. Okay, <laughs> it's it, it's with, it's with pleasure, but avec underscore plaisir. <laughs> yeah. And um, again, we mentioned checks over strikes. Um, we do a lot of we, we do a lot of um, posting. We do giveaways, and again, we're just we're just trying to get the people engaged, and hopefully. Um, you know, we can make some changes. Well, it's not look, hopefully look, look, I know, look. I know we're going to make changes and we want to build a community. culture.
1: Absolutely. You you guys are doing it. You guys are doing it for sure. And we're going to, we're going to post all the show notes in the, the, the podcast once we launch it. So everyone's going to get that information for sure. Nice. So Dean
2: and Craig, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. And for you, the, the platform, again, the, I don't think we, we, we give enough kudos to individuals like yourself that put this on because, again, it's something that can get the message across. And the more information that we get able to get across in this medium, because a lot of people do podcasts, it's, you know, it's the new thing. And I don't see podcasts going anywhere anytime soon. Um, it's something that can definitely tie in back to the culture and the community. So kudos going out to you. Keep doing your thing. And again, wherever we can bring value to what you're doing, let us know. Like, you know, again, it's each one teach one. We don't want to use a platform and then walk away and not build a relationship because that's not what we're about.
0: And 100%. we're very grateful to be on your show, to share Th- a message.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Hey, as, as soon as you guys accepted, I was like, I got two, I got two new people in my circle. So, hey, likewise, yeah. if there's anything that I can do to help you guys, to build what you're doing, let me know. And if I don't know, I definitely know someone who who can. So I'm looking forward to, to continue connecting with you guys and, and following what you're doing, 100%. Perfect, man. All right. So, Dean, Craig, thanks for coming on the show today. We appreciate you. No
0: problem, brother. No problem. Same here, man.
1: All right. And thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Talk soon. This episode was brought to you by my senior editor, Podcast Doc, and the beats were created by DJ Nana. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. All it does is drive more listeners to the podcast as we continue to share more purposeful stories to your eardrums. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.